0: One more thing you can look forward to, and it's happening right now, is the start of our brand new series called Learning to Lead. And these are lessons from the Bible's best leaders. So to kick that off, is one of my favorite leaders, our lead pastor, Roland Gray. Matt is one of my favorite leaders. So thank you, thank you guys, thank you for being here. If you're here for the very first time, we want to welcome you uh, and a very special welcome to you. If you're here for the second time, even better. That means you like us a little bit enough to return, and so uh, uh, you can join us. And we're glad that that you did um, here at Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. We are mission-driven, multi-ethnic, multi-generational. We believe that's a pretty good recipe uh, for what God wants us to do here uh, in this city. So as Pastor Matt mentioned. Um, we are starting off a brand new series today which we're very excited about because how many of you know that as a church we have places that we want to go and things that we want to do and things that we want to be and we can't do it without you guys. And so as we're talking about this uh, brand new series uh, about leadership, it includes you. And so first I want to say that we already have a whole bunch of incredible leaders here in this church. And so can we just give them a hand for those of you who um, volunteer and obviously we can't do anything without you, you know, and and because you're a volunteer, it means that you don't get paid, right? Uh, But uh, your reward is in heaven, okay? So we can say thank you, God will have to repay you somehow, some way, but I think that just goes to show the caliber of people who we have that love God and do this for God, Right? I hope that they love us too, uh, but, but again, that just um, goes to show what kind of leaders that we have. And so uh, we begin with this brand new series, um, and I know some of you are wondering about our trip to Panama. I decided that we better hold off until, that, uh, until next week, just because there's a lot going on up in the front end here. Uh, so hold on to that. Stay tuned. It was an exciting, exciting meeting. Uh, I believe God met with us in so many different ways I don't think uh, the couple of minutes that we'll share with you next week is gonna be enough. Uh, so grab us on the side. Uh, we'll share with you what we feel like God is doing and saying um, and how much that has impacted us. It was myself, Al Jay, and Richard uh, who joined me. Um, and we're just seeing what God is doing in our region, a little bit south of us, but uh, Latin America is crying out for help. I mean, there's doors wide open. And they're saying, would you come help? And so uh, just be ready because God may say, hey, maybe you can go for a, f- you know, a few days, a week, a couple of weeks. Maybe longer, we'll see. But uh, pray with me, would you? Bow your heads. Lord, thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, help us. Lord, as we talk about leadership, as we uh, move into this realm of, of doing new things and, and going new places oh God, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you are... Um, Lord, you're enrolling people. Lord, you're 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 drafting people, uh, so to speak, to be a part of a team that's going to do bigger and better and greater things, Lord. Because you promised us we would do even greater things than you. Uh, oh God, we can't even fathom what that would mean. Uh, but Lord, we say, "Here I am. Send me and use me." In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Well, uh, I have been in kind of a debate with myself on whether or not America has become a post-Christian society. Post-Christian refers to a cultural shift in which Christianity no longer holds the same level of influence or authority uh, in a society or a community. And it suggests a moving away from Christian values, a moving away of Christian beliefs, uh, moving away of Christian practices, as well as a decline in participation, whether it's in churches, or groups or whatever that may mean. Um, so in other words, Christianity, though, it may seem good on paper. Because uh, if you look at the surveys, they say about 63% of Americans, this was a survey done in 2021, 63% of Americans claim to be Christian. Uh, Ten years ago, it was 75% Americans. So you see there's already a, a little bit of a decline. But if you to look on paper... We're still the majority. We're still looking pretty good. Most Americans will say that they are Christian. Um, but a follow-up survey was done by the Barner Group, the same group who did the first survey. But they included questions, notable questions, which demonstrate Christian values. Questions like, do you attend church regularly? Do you attend a small group Do you give financially to a church regularly? Uh, Do you share your faith or do you share the good news with others? Do you believe Jesus was a sinner? Do you believe Jesus was a man? Do you believe Jesus was God? These are clarifying questions. And so when they began to ask these questions, the results started to change a little bit. And so when people are asked questions like these, the answers just don't quite measure up. And so while 63% claim to be Christian, when you ask those questions, only 25 to 30% can answer those, qu- those questions with conviction. Does that make sense? And so though we look good on paper, the reality is we don't behave like who we say we are, if that makes sense. All right? So based on that, it's my humble opinion, and I may not know a whole lot, but it's my humble opinion that we have crossed the threshold and we are now a post-Christian society. Um, and we can, you know, talk about that. But, um, you know, our education system uh, is anti-prayer, trying to remove prayer from schools. I remember when I played football, we prayed after every game, before and after every game. Um, our courthouses are anti-scripture. They're trying to remove uh, scriptures off of the, out of the halls, off of the monuments. Um, our universities are attacking free speech. Um, I know of students personally at other universities um, who are being kicked out of classes just for simply stating an opinion. Uh, And then finally, our religious freedoms, as you know, are under constant attack. So it's for this reason that God is looking for people who will rise up and lead their lives in a way that will not just strengthen your own faith, but will also strengthen the church. But not just strengthen the church but will make an impact in the society in which we live in. And that's who God is calling, I believe, in our day and time. And so even as we're talking about a a almost godless culture that we live in nowadays, we aren't the only ones who are uh, experiencing that kind of persecution and resistance when we uh, talk about God and when we talk about our faith and we talk about our relationship and we talk about our church. But there was somebody else who experienced something very similar, maybe a little bit even worse than, than what we're used to, and that is Daniel. So I know for the last few months we've been in the New Testament. Uh, we've had series in the New Testament. We're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at uh, an incredible, incredible leader uh, that really honored God, and we're going to see what, how he was, uh, how he was faithful and the results of that. So when you think of Daniel, you might think of the guy who was thrown in the lion's den, right? Uh, but there's a lot more to his life than that. We're going to get into that. So he was born in Jerusalem, uh, taken captive by Babylonians after they conquered the city. Daniel faced many challenges throughout his life, including being forced to serve in the court of the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who demanded that Daniel and his fellow captives abandon their Jewish beliefs and adopt a Babylonian Customs And despite these challenges, Daniel remained faithful to his beliefs and was eventually able to gain favor with the Babylonian rulers, including King Darius, who succeeded Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's prophetic abilities allowed him to interpret dreams and provide wise counsel to the kings, and he became a trusted advisor to those in power. However, Daniel's refusal to worship any deity other than God, uh, the God of Israel, eventually led to his persecution. Now, I don't want to give too much away. Um, so let's turn to Daniel chapter 6. If you have something to read the Bible from, if you have a Bible, you can crack that open. If you have a device, go ahead and start tapping your way to Daniel chapter 6. You know, the only thing about a device is you don't memorize the books of the Bible anymore. I remember in the good old days when we had a Bible, remember they say Daniel 6 and you do the fan. And then you try to stop, right? But see, some of y'all are like, because oh, okay, you guys don't use a Bible. So Daniel chapter 6. Uh, If you don't have something to read from, of course, we'll have it on the screen so you can follow. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius, who was the king at the time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be uh, throughout the whole kingdom. Those were governors. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might be distinguished above all other high officials... Because an excellent spirit was on him. And the king planned to send him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. They got jealous. Uh, With regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. Say faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. So here's Daniel who wasn't even a Babylonian. He was Jewish. He went from captivity to top three in the land of governing officials. It's a great success story, but there's some valuable lessons we can learn from David. And Today we're talking about being faithful like Daniel. And I want to look at four ways that he showed his faithfulness. And the first one is this, and it is the most important in my opinion. And that's that Daniel was faithful in humility, faithful in humility. Uh, going back to chapter 2. So we're going to kind of jump back and forth uh, in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. Verse 26. It says, the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Beltshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Some of you may, may know this story. The king has a dream and nobody can interpret it. Verse 27. Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Now, I'm going to read that list again because sometimes we find ourselves looking at things that we should not be looking at. And so here's Daniel again. He says, no wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers, no crystals, no tarot cards, no... What's the horoscopes? How many know what Daniel's talking about here? He said, none of them can reveal the mystery. None of them. 28, but there is a God. Say, but there is a God. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So the job of the wise men was to be wise. (laughs) Ooh, blown away, right? Especially in front of the king. And so the king calls them, and they show up, and they got nothing. They have nothing. And so Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, he was very successful. So they want to impress him. He was known for his military conquests, his architectural achievements, his passion for art, He built the Hanging Gardens of uh, of Babylon, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And he defeated every single empire in his time, including the mighty Egyptians. After that, Egypt never just never rose to the same level again. Uh, Also the Assyrians. And so he was successful, so successful that in chapter 4, we won't read it because we don't have time. But in chapter 4, it says that he was just chilling at the house because there was nothing else to do. He had no enemies, because he ran through them. How many follow UFC or boxing? It's kind of like a champion who has cleaned out the division. There's no one else to fight anymore. And so, you know, they either retire or they move weight. They either go up or down and start trying to clean out that division. And this was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was that successful. Overthrew everybody, owned everything, had nothing else to do but be creative and create wonders of the world. And so this is where we find him at this time. Nobody's left. Uh, And how many know if there was ever a time to look good in front of the king? It was at this moment. And so, but the Bible says that although he was on top of the world, he has this dream that shook him to the core. And he wanted to know what it meant. How many know when you have a weird dream, you're going, God, was that good or bad? Right? And this was King Nebuchadnezzar. And so... Um, so at that moment, even Daniel, he didn't have the interpretation. We know that Daniel had the interpretation later, right? We think he just showed up and read. No, it's not how it worked. So he shows up, he asks the king for more time, and then he goes to God and he asks God for wisdom and he asks God for, for revelation. And so then he comes back to him. In verse 27, Again, he says, no wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers. But God in heaven reveals. So he took time, hung out with God a little bit, got his feedback, and then he went back to the king. And how many know when you serve God, I believe we can impress kings. And I believe we can stand before rulers and leaders with confidence if we represent God, right? And so despite having the answer, Daniel doesn't take credit. He makes it clear that it wasn't him, but it was God. Not only was he humble in the moment, he remained humble throughout the rest of the story. <laughs> if we read this, if we had time to read it, we would just be amazed really at how, how good Daniel was. You know, even as we're talking about humility and, and how important it is, it's something that we, you know, I don't know about you, but I shoot for all the time, but I fail miserably a lot because it's not the easiest thing to do. Though I sometimes consider myself humble. Maybe one of these days I'll share with you how I became so incredibly humble. Um, Some of you got that. Um, But so anyway, Daniel, he realizes that uh, God was the one who put him in this position. To stand before a king and to answer a king, that was all God. And because God gave him the answer, Daniel looked good. But he was still very careful to say no. It's not me. And how many know when we are doing something for God, it's always good to deflect. When you're doing something good for God and you get praise for it, you deflect up to him. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was great worship, DJ. Great worship. Right, DJ? Yeah, but oh, man, God. That's right. Right? And then when somebody goes, man, that, that worship wasn't so good today. You deflect down. <laughs> I'm I done. I don't, I'm not going to hear. No, I'm just kidding. No, we, we could take... We could take some criticism and and learn from it, you know. And so it keeps us humble. And so although Daniel could have looked good in front of the king, he made sure to point to God. Second, Ah, James 4 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want God to be with you and close to you all the time, let him smell humility. God can't resist it. So much that he says even the meek, the, meek the, most, the weakest and the meekest of the earth, they will inherit it. That's how much God loves humility. But you know what he says about pride? He opposes it. The worst part, pride is like body odor. The worst person who's proud doesn't know they have it. Right? My wife is always giving me gum. I'm like, what's the problem? She's like, just trust me. Second, faithful in obedience to God. In chapter 1, Daniel, he abstains from eating the king's choice foods because those foods were against Jewish dietary laws. Despite the consequences, they honored God and ate only vegetables. How many like vegetables? Love them, right? How many would like vegetables and that's all you had every single day? You see what I'm saying? Right? And so... As Daniel rose through the ranks, he becomes one of the highest-ranked leaders of the land. The other uh, high officials didn't like this. They get jealous. They conspire against him. And the Bible says there was no error and no fault in him. They said the only way is if we rig something that's in connection with his God. Imagine that. They said there's no way we're going to throw him off because he's too honest. We, there's no way we can throw him off because he's too fair. So now we got to rig something so that as he adheres to his God, it will be wrong, in, at least in this kingdom. And So they conspire against him. They trick King Nebuchadnezzar. And they say, hey, um, you know, you are so worthy. You should create a statue of yourself, and we bow down to that, and we worship. And the king goes, you know what? That's a great idea. And if anybody doesn't comply, they should be punished good idea. So they create the statue. It's really high. And it became illegal to worship anyone or anything else. Now here's the thing, is the king knew Daniel. And Daniel had favor, or else he wouldn't be where he was at. And maybe at this moment the king wasn't thinking. So he passes this law. But here's what Daniel does. He goes home. He opens his windows. And he publicly worships God. Now, we make it a goal to wake up and pray in the morning, don't we? Most of us, we try, right? Come on, somebody. You know, yeah, Pastor God, you know. Daniel prayed three times a day. Open windows. Look, if you're going to judge me, judge me. I'm praying. I'm worshiping my God. He did it openly. And here's what it says in verse 22 of chapter uh, chapter 6. Um, it says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him speaking of integrity. So, you know, we just came through two years of a pandemic and I can remember everybody's posts. I can remember people who were in support of what the government was saying, hey, we need to slow down, close down for a while. Then I remember some others who were against, and I saw both sides. And so Daniel's kind of in this same situation. And so he's obeying God. Now, I'm not gonna get into all that. I know you guys are like, okay, well, where do you land? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. You make decisions based on your conviction, Okay. And you serve God in that way. And I promise you, you'll be okay. Some people land on the radical middle, some people fall on one side or the other. That's not the point. I want you to know we love all of you. Okay? And in this church, we will worship together. Okay? Uh, So, anyway, Daniel doesn't bow, he doesn't worship the idol. And God honors him for it. Um, let's move on. Faithful in integrity is point number three. Faithful in integrity. One example of Daniel's integrity is seen in this refusal to to defile himself. We just talked about this with the king's food and wine in Daniel 1.8. That's where we get the Daniel fast. You you know, we just came off of our annual fasting. And so we say, oh, what kind of fast are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do fruits and vegetables like Daniel, right? At least I get to eat something. How many like the Daniel fast when it comes to fasting, right? We get a little something, right? I know people who say, you know, as long as it can fit through a straw, it's a liquid diet. Okay, whatever, protein shake, <laughs> right? Slim fast, whatever. That's a meal replacement, but God bless you. Um, but that despite the pressure to conform to the ways of the Babylonians, Daniel remained committed to his Jewish beliefs and refused to compromise his integrity. The act of integrity was ultimately blessed by God as Daniel and his friends were found to be healthier and stronger than the other young men. had eaten the choice foods, who had eaten the king's foods. Here's a quote from Abraham Lincoln, because we see that Daniel, as he's honoring God, begins to get promoted, even in a culture that was contrary to his his values and his beliefs. You know, there's a, you can look this up, but there's a verse That says, uh, speaking of Jesus, and also spoke of Samuel in the Old Testament. But it says that as they grew, they grew in stature both with man and with God. And so we see Daniel here growing in stature with God, and all of a sudden he's growing in stature with man as well, a government that he didn't, you know, he shouldn't have been in. He was kidnapped and brought there. Most of us would have played the victim role. I shouldn't be here how did I get here why did they take me right not Daniel worshiped God loved God and rose through the ranks and became one of those one of the nation's leaders
1: but Abraham Lincoln said this
0: nearly all men can stand adversity but if you want to test a man's character give him power if you want to test a man's character give him power how many know Daniel had power And something happens as he rises through the ranks. Again, he makes the top three. But he doesn't stop there. Daniel, he he interprets the dreams. uh, And here's basically what he tells King Nebuchadnezzar at the time. He said, yeah, let me tell you what that dream meant, my king. That dream means that you're going to lose your kingdom. Have a good day how would you like that to be your job? And so he had integrity. And even in the crucial conversations, he didn't hold back because of what God revealed to him. So can you imagine that? <laughs> hey, king, <laughs> you're going to lose everything. You might become senile and eat grass in the field like an like a animal. That's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He lost his mind. Here's what happens. After he loses the kingdom, Daniel rises up in his place. Talk about power. Going from top three to number one. Daniel's leading this nation now. The Bible says that for one year, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. Um, they rolling around in the fields, eating grass and all that, all that stuff. A year later, He comes back. His mind returns. God restores the kingdom back to him. Who was in charge at the time? Daniel. So here's Daniel leading. The guy who just went off his rockers is now back. And Daniel hands it over to him. Humbly. And says, you are the rightful ruler. Because God placed you there. How many know that's integrity? Faithful in integrity. And then here's our last point that we can learn from Daniel. He was faithful in serving others. This is the final aspect of Daniel's faithfulness. It was his commitment to serving others. When you read the details, it really really blows you away. You know, this is not stuff that I didn't know. But as you have to study for a message and you go into all the details, you really just go, man, God, I just forgot about all this stuff. And you start to feel convicted because you're saying, this is a, this is a leader that I want to be like. But am I willing to pay the price Daniel did to do the things that he did? Daniel chapter 2, verse 14 through 18 uh, says this, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon here's what was happening remember the king says I need this dream interpreted he gets all his wise men and they couldn't do it they had nothing and so he says all right they're no good for nothing kill them right and so the guard goes after him here's what Daniel does in verse 15, he declared to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Now, imagine him pleading. Imagine him trying to figure this situation out. Okay, these guys are going to die. Maybe they deserved it. I don't know. But he's thinking, okay, we don't want these guys to, we don't want these guys to die. So imagine him going, oh, wait, uh, hold on. Uh, ooh, let's think this through. Uh, why, is, why are you such in a hurry, king? Just, you know, can we, can we slow it down? And this is the approach he was taking. He declares to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. In other words, can I have more time? Then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. How many know some people was going to die? The king was not messing around. And so here's Daniel, not just saving himself, but thinking about other people. You know, when I think about it, I don't think Daniel was on the same side as the wise men. How many know what I'm talking about? And Daniel heard that the wise men were going to be killed for not being able to interpret the dream. At this point, as we read of this in chapter 2, Daniel is still a no-name. He didn't have the the clout that we see in chapter 6 as he became top three, as he became the ruler. That wasn't the Daniel here. The king barely knew who he was. Matter of fact, he's asking the king, Hey, yo, I know you don't know me. Can I have a little more time? I'll, I'll interpret your dream. And he goes before God in prayer. Daniel was always praying. You know, as I was putting this message together, there's so many examples that we could have used as points here. Faithful in prayer. On top of integrity. On top of serving others. Right? This is, this is just who Daniel was. And throughout his life, Daniel was always willing to help those around him whether it was interpreting dreams for the king or helping his friends in need. He used his gifts and talents to serve God and others. And through his service, Daniel demonstrated his faithfulness to God. Now here's the result. Here's the result. Somebody who honors God with their life and somebody who's faithful to God that much. Verse 28 of uh, Daniel chapter 6 says, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel prospered. When we're faithful to do what God tells us to do, he can prosper us. Does not mean storms won't come? We just learned that a couple of series ago, didn't we? (laughs) We can guarantee you storms will come. But what God guarantees is he will be with you in it. He'll get you through it. How many know Daniel was in a storm? Because of his faithfulness, the result was protection from harm. We didn't have time to get into the, the lion's den story. When they expected him to be dead, they walk upon him. You ever seen a, what's that, Tiger King? What's that guy? Right? He's playing with the lions and tigers. That was Daniel. If there were reality shows back then, he would have been the first. Because God, the Bible says, shut the mouths of the lions. Not only was there physical protection, there was promotion. Daniel's faithfulness also led to his promotion and favor in the courts of several Babylonian and Persian kings. He was given positions of authority and entrusted with important responsibilities because of his integrity. And then, of course, there was fulfillment of prophecy. Daniel is to the Old Testament what Revelation is to the New Testament. It's deep. We don't have time to get into it. And I would have to do a whole lot more studying to be able to bring something to you that is, that is accurate and fulfilling. But it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Daniel's gift of interpreting dreams helped him to foretell the rise and the fall of several empires, including the Babylonian Empire. His prophecies were fulfilled which further validates what we're talking about. His faithfulness. His faithfulness to God. Now we want to strive today to be leaders who are faithful. Faithful in humility. Faithful in obedience. Faithful in integrity. And faithful in serving others. And there is one more example of somebody who Exemplified all of these, and his name was Jesus. The most faithful. Matter of fact, he was so faithful, he says that even when you and I weren't, he was still faithful. Hard for me to fathom that in my human mind. You know, when somebody does us wrong, we, we hold on to something. We hold on to a grudge. We hold on to a herd. We get offended. Sometimes we want payback. That's not what Daniel was and that's not what Jesus was. Matter of fact, Jesus says, I'll forgive you and if you did it again, I would forgive you again. And if you did it again, I would forgive you again and he tells us to love people the same. This is the Jesus we serve. And so because he was faithful when we're not, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 1.9 that he's faithful and just to forgive us if we ask him. And so even as we're talking about Aspiring to leadership and rising up in leadership, or adding to our leadership, because again, I know that we already have incredible leaders here. But the first step, if we want to ever be promoted in God's kingdom, is to first know Him. And so I'm going to ask us if we would bow our heads just for a moment. We always want to give an opportunity for people who might not feel close to God, or maybe they don't feel right, or maybe. You're not sure. We're going to give you an opportunity. So, Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your word and, Lord, just for this example of who Daniel was and, Lord, somebody that we can aspire to. And, Lord, this is just one of the many examples that we'll go through over the next few weeks because, Lord, we know that, Lord, you've called this church uh, with a purpose, with a purpose here in Las Vegas, Lord, and with a purpose even beyond Las Vegas, And, Lord, even as you're doing new things with us, Lord, you're requiring that we would uh, rise up, Lord, and be stretched. But if you're here today, and I don't know, maybe you're hearing this message for the first time. Maybe you've heard this message before. Maybe you once walked with God, and maybe you're not now. But if you want to get right with him, I want to pray with you. And we're going to pray all together, but I just want to know who that who will be praying with. So if you're here and you want to get right with God today, whether you've heard this before or not, would you raise your hand? And we'll pray with you. Is anybody? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Can we just say this all together? We're going to stand with the, those that raise their hand and we're going to pray all together with them. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I was unlovely, thank you for giving your life for me. Even though there's no guarantee I would love you back, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. Because I believe that you died. I believe that you spilled your blood for me. And that your blood can cleanse me. Now I ask you to change me. As you come into my heart, change me. And make me a new person. Like the Bible says. And help me to serve you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.